0: Welcome to In-Depth, an in-depth look at the interesting, educational, and timely topics affecting you right here in South Central Iowa and beyond. The one to
1: count on for today's local news coverage is KNIA and KRLS. Now with today's In-Depth, here's Dr. Bob Leonard.
0: What's the shovel-nosed sturgeon? And what role does the Red Rock Dam play in research related to the sustainability of the species? Let's go in-depth with Ryan Hupfeld, fisheries biologist with the DNR. Ryan, what do you do for the DNR?
1: So I'm a Large Rivers Fish Research Biologist, and what we largely focus on is research on the Mississippi River and its connected tributaries to help inform managers so we can manage fish populations as well as different habitat projects in the river and just guide those efforts so we're making the best decisions moving forward for anglers, uh, future generations.
0: Well, and how did you get interested in fishery biology?
1: Yeah, just growing up as a kid, I always enjoyed being in the outdoors and hunting and fishing, and I wanted a career I could enjoy and then also have a positive impact on our natural resources and took a couple aquatic classes in college, and then the rest is history. I was just really excited about working in fisheries, so that's kind of where the passion came from.
0: Well, so you took your outdoors heritage and interests and really dug deep into one topic.
1: Exactly.
0: Well, and you're doing a lot of different interesting research. you Told me about a whole bunch of things you're doing, but one of the things I thought our listeners would be interested in is your work at Lake Red Rock on the shovel-nosed sturgeon. First, can you tell us what a shovel-nosed sturgeon is?
1: Yeah, sure. So, shovel-nosed sturgeon is a prehistoric fish. It's been swimming in our river systems for millions of years. Um, They are harvested for their eggs to produce caviar as well as recreationally harvest um, with angling and they're, they're pretty good as smoked fish as well. Um, they've, they're a largely uh, a migratory species so dams and uh, different habitat degradations we've done in the river kind of caused some declines in the past but they're relatively stable populations now. And we're working on a few projects to evaluate their growth and survival, and if harvest is sustainable currently, and ways we can improve habitat for shovelnose sturgeon as well.
0: Well, now, what kind of habitat do they need?
1: So it's largely a, um, free-flowing rivers with some gravel and cobble substrate. And in the Des Moines River, there's a ton of spawning habitat, for the, which is the the larger cobble and gravel uh, substrates, but then also just having that substrate there is not the only thing that's necessary. We know that um, these natural hydrographs, like these spring flow pulses, um, are very important to their spawning efforts. For example, last year it was very low water and we saw a lot of fish reabsorbing their eggs, so there was really not much reproduction, but we're working with the... Corps of Engineers and, and the Nature Conservancy, as well as City of Ottumwa on this program called the Sustainable Rivers Program. And what that does is, um, while maintaining flood control, we're, we're implementing experimental flow pulses out of Red Rock Dam to help uh, recreate the natural hydrograph to the best we can to help um, positively influence shovel sturgeon reproduction. Um, as well as uh, other species, as well.
0: More in depth after this. I continued my conversation about the shovel nosed sturgeon with Ryan Hupfeld, fisheries biologist with the DNR. They're all up and down the Des Moines River, I presume.
1: Um, So at least up to Red Rock. um, There may be a few individuals above Red Rock, but it's very, very limited. And the majority of the population sits below the Atumwa Dam because that's the first barrier upstream. But they are able to pass that dam at certain times during high water.
0: Okay, so that's what you just said, dams are major impediments. Yep. So I guess before the dams went in, they are all up and down the river, and now they're not.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: All right, and so you want to minimize, it sounds like you want to minimize the impact of the dam, uh, low water levels, and I would guess it's not just impacting the sturgeon, it's impacting right. a lot of things.
1: Yep, there's a lot of large river species that need that free-flowing river, such as paddlefish and lake sturgeon and blue suckers and our buffalo species, so uh, it's definitely helping a lot of other species, and Iowa State has kind of a side project um, kind of in in conjunction with ours, and they're more looking at those other species where we're focused on shovelnose sturgeon and paddlefish.
0: Well, and so why f- shovelnose sturgeons and paddlefish?
1: um that's uh we already have multiple other projects working on them and i've worked on them a lot in the past um and ours the iowa state university already had their project going and the way they do their larval drift sampling they're actually filtering uh trying to catch these fish on the surface of the water as they drift downstream where we are trying to catch these larval sturgeon They're mostly associated with the bottom of the substrate. So, our nets are sampling a different portion of the water column. So, we're just kind of getting something that they weren't, uh, we're just adding to their project essentially.
0: Well, what have you learned so far? So, yeah, this is
1: our second year sampling. Um, And like I said, we're trying to catch these fish as right after they hatch. So, once the Shovenlow sturgeon lays its egg. It adheres to a rock or whatever substrate they spawn onto, and they'll hatch after that and drift hundreds of miles downstream pretty much into the Mississippi River. So we're trying to catch them um, while they're drifting downstream, and they're just like 10 to 14 millimeters at length when we catch them, so they're very small. But last year we had some very interesting results. Um, it was Like I said, it was low water. So we were able to implement two experimental flow pulses. Um, they were smaller flow pulses, but um, on the backside of each one of those flow pulses, we caught uh, four larval sturgeon. Um, it's a very small sample size, but I think without those flow pulses, there likely would be uh, very minimal reproduction. And then. On the rise of that flow pulse, we actually caught an adult sturgeon that was flowing eggs. So we know that flow pulse initiated spawning. And then this year, we we're just finishing up our sampling. We had a lot higher water this year, um, so we were able to get a much larger and longer drawn out flow pulse. And preliminary, we haven't gone through all our samples, but we've at least doubled our, our catch this year. And we have probably 120 more jars to go through at least. So. It's uh, looking promising, and um, we're having some pretty exciting results so far.
0: Well, in flow pulse, I presume you mean letting more water out of the dam?
1: Yeah, correct, and in, increased uh, discharge out of the dam. Um, naturally, in this April-May period, there was always a spring uh, flow pulse from like, uh, snow melt up north and then rains uh, in the spring. So We're just trying to mimic that as best we can
0: and i'm presuming that it uh, well i don't know get the red rock dam to to change you know whatever it wants to do like takes an act of congress or something
1: yeah i'm, I'm not exactly sure how that all works there's this sustainable rivers program I, there's some probably a lot of information on the Na- nature conservancy of corps of engineers website but it's a nationwide program um, and they're doing this um, in numerous areas um, it's it's supposed to come to the Iowa River in the next few years, um, doing the same exact thing. And then at Lock and Dam 26 uh, near Alton, Illinois or St. Louis, Missouri, um, that program is in place there where they actually just altered the gates on the dam at Lock and Dam 26. And they actually documented uh, lake sturgeon spawning um, this y- this past year, successful lake sturgeon spawning, which is only the second time that's been documented. So. Um, it's pretty exciting stuff.
0: More in-depth after this. I continued my conversation about the shovel-nosed sturgeon with Ryan Hupfeld, fisheries biologist with the DNR. Well, it sounds like maybe part of their longevity is that they can respond so quickly. I mean, millions of years, they can respond so quickly to uh, to flow pulses and then just boom, there's more of them in the water.
1: Yep, exactly. And it really helps um, provide a sustainable resource if we can have more consistent reproduction. So if we're able to do this, even if it's not every year, if we're able to conduct flow pulses every few years, um, it's still going to help increase reproduction and increase population size.
0: Well, is there a best flow level that you would like to see for sturgeon and other species out of the Red Rock Dam?
1: That's something that we're trying to figure out through this research. We know flow uh, is an important, uh, um, I guess, key for them to initiate spawning and important for their drift downstream, but we don't know exactly the magnitude or how much flow is needed and the perfect timing. So, through this research, we're trying to conduct numerous types of flow, like different uh, magnitudes and different durations that we release flow for, so we can kind of zone in on that. So, that's one of the uncertainties that we're trying to figure out.
0: Well, then the core is also trying to balance recreational needs too, up in the dam.
1: Yep, exactly. Uh, up above the dam, you're talking in the reservoir? Yeah. Yep, so it's been a pretty good collaboration with Wildlife Bureau, um, the Corps of Engineers, City of Ottumwa, the hydropower dam there now, so we're all in communication and to try and balance these needs. Like like I said, we may not get a flow pulse every year if some other priority um, takes precedence, but it's still working together. You wouldn't get that flow pulse every single year with droughts and and things like that. So, just trying to make it as natural as process and meet all these needs. It's always a give and take there a little bit.
0: Now, where is the shovel-nosed sturgeon harvested commercially? Not in Iowa, is it?
1: Yes, on the on the Mississippi River is the only place that it can be commercially harvested.
0: And is that done? In yep. Iowa? Okay.
1: Yep, it's done. Um, in Iowa, we have we put in a length, uh, increased a length limit a few years ago um, because we thought it, we're, there was some uh, data that suggested that there was potential overharvest occurring. Um, so we implemented a 27-inch minimum length limit, and we're actually starting to see an increase in reproduction on the Mississippi River as well since we implemented that length limit. So um, we believe currently they're pretty stable, um, and can sustain that harvest right now. But we're continuing to monitor it on an annual basis.
0: So is there a market for both the eggs as caviar and the meat?
1: There is. It's mostly driven towards caviar because it's such a lucrative business. But uh, some people do eat the smoked flesh, and, and I think they, they do sell some of that, that flesh as well, that meat.
0: It'd be a shame just to harvest it only for the caviar, no?
1: No. Yep. Yeah, you're right. So no, I do. I do believe they, they do sell that, but largely what we focus on is the, is the caviar because um, it is. If you're harvesting the largest females, you want to ensure it's sustainable. So that's
0: one of the main main issues that we focus on. So. And so where are those markets? I don't remember seeing caviar on the shelves of Hy-Vee and Fairway
1: right a lot of them are uh imported overseas um i i couldn't tell you exactly i know uh yeah i don't know i'd have to do some research into that to to figure out exactly where they're selling it to.
0: well having a market for it is that good or bad for the species
1: well i think our job is to provide that market if it's sustainable um, and it's our job to manage that species sustainably so um, if it can be done sustainably i don't see it as an issue but um, we just need to collect the appropriate data and monitor the species effectively in in order to maintain that for future generations so
0: and so what's the ultimate goal of your research that that you just mentioned the sustainability
1: yep so on the sustainable rivers program or just overall sustainability
0: uh both Uh,
1: okay so i guess overall we want to provide a commercial and recreational fishery for years to come or forever essentially uh, so future generations can have that same opportunity and they're kind of the sustainable rivers program is kind of intertwined with that because they do we have uh tagging data that shows that they move in between our tributaries and the upper mississippi river um, so they're tied together and the sustainable rivers program hopefully will help provide increased reproduction in these tributaries maybe as a source uh, for reproduction um, and the mississippi river is gonna provide the nursery or nursery habitat for these juveniles before they move upstream and in, in these tributaries to spawn and reproduce so Overall, um, these things um, all together to provide a sustainable resource for now and into the future, um, both recreationally and commercially, and then to do it with the most natural hydrograph and things possible. We're just trying to mimic uh, what worked in the past before humans came along and started making changes to these river systems.
0: What's the best part of your job?
1: I get to handle fish. almost every week um, and it's it's really rewarding to put something in place and and see a positive result when we've collected those first uh larval shovelnose sturgeon on the des moines river it was, it was pretty exciting to see especially when they're specifically tied with that flow pulse that we recommended so it's pretty exciting and i'm very passionate about it and, and just want to make a positive impact uh, on the fishing and natural resources in iowa
0: Thanks to Ryan Hupfeld for contributing to the program. For KNIA KRLS News, this is Dr. Bob Leonard bringing you today's news and information in-depth from our little corner of the universe.
1: An audio copy of today's in-depth program is available at KNIAKRLS.com, on demand or for download. Just click Podcasts. If you have topics or show ideas you'd like to hear in-depth, contact KNIA-KRLS by sending an email to Bob Leonard at kniakrls.com. The one to count on for today's local news and the number one news and information source in South Central Iowa is KNIA-KRLS.